Welcome to the program, UFO Warning. Today's topic, the disappearing Inuit village. Now this is said to have taken place back in November of 1930. And I found this article on a site called allthatsinteresting.com. The title of the article is The Mysterious Disappearance of the Anjikini People. That's spelled A-N-J-I-K-U-N-I. It says the article was written in March 26, 2013 and updated November 20th, 2019. It begins by the title, The Bizarre Tale of One Inuit Tribe's Mass Disappearance. One bitter night in November 1930, an exhausted Canadian fur trapper named Joe LaBelle sought refuge from the cold and inadvertently stumbled across one of history's most remarkable mysteries. The once industrious Inuit village on the shores of Lake Anjakuni that LaBelle had seen throughout his travels had vanished without a trace. Trudging through the fresh snow, LaBelle cautiously approached the silent village in search of shelter. Still steaming, gray streaks emanated from a charred pot of stew and eerily wove themselves through the night sky. Clearly, LaBelle had mused, someone had to be around. Searching further, LaBelle checked the huts and found clothing and food, two things you certainly wouldn't leave behind if abandoning a village, both in large enough amounts to last the Inuits through winter. And yet LaBelle didn't come across a single soul or sled dog, and what's more, no footprints lay in the snow. So you can imagine, this is 1930. I don't think anybody just swept in there on snowmobiles or helicopters and took these people out of the village. This is an entire village that has just literally disappeared. People, dogs, and everything. But they left all their supplies behind. Now why in the world, here in the far north, where you would need those supplies to survive the winter, would you ever just walk off and leave them? Also, nobody walked off. There weren't any tracks. Now, where have we heard this kind of thing before, this kind of familiar crime scene? Well, it reminds me of many of the cow mutilation uh, scenes where we see the cows just laying there dead in their tracks, but there's no tracks of predators or any sort of other person or animal that was there to have committed the, the cattle mutilation. They're just there with no tracks around. The same thing that we hear in some of these uh, David Pilates cases where the people go missing from these national parks and we find them clear up the side of a mountain with no clear trail of how they got there. It's just, and, and oftentimes, if we do find these poor souls, it's as if their bodies are laid there almost in posed position with the shoes on the wrong feet or they're dressed incorrectly, like they've been staged there. And that's almost what it seems like this village is like. It's almost like it's staged. I mean, the people have just been taken away and there are no tracks going in or out of the village showing where anybody had left. And secondly, the sled dogs aren't even there. So it makes no sense. It goes on and says, Terrified, LaBelle tra traversed the sub-zero terrains and made his way to the nearest telegraph office where, severely frostbitten, he sent a message to the Canadian Mounted Police for help. So this guy tracks across the the uh, open country there, freezing cold winter, he makes it to a telegraph office. He's severely frostbitten. That tells me this guy was scared to death. He didn't stick around that village uh, feasting on some of the leftover food that had been left behind. He didn't bother to pillage or steal anything. 
He got the heck out of there, and he headed for the nearest place where he knew other people were at, and he set out the alarm to the Canadian Mounted Police for help. It says on arrival, they searched the village thoroughly and made a horrifying discovery in the village burial ground. Every grave had been unearthed and lay empty. An entire pack of sled dogs, which had been starved to death, was also found just beyond the village, having been buried under 12 feet of snow. Now that is horrifying. Think about that. On arrival, they searched the village thoroughly and made a horrifying discovery. In the village burial ground, every grave had been unearthed and lay empty. So whatever took these people, not only took the living, not, not only took the living, but took the dead. Now, who, who on earth would go to that kind of trouble to dig up all the dead folks? And yet again, we know there's no tracks leaving the village, so it. And there was no reason for the villagers to do this. Secondly, they left the dogs behind. And there those poor dogs were left, tied out, and starved to death. What a horrible thing. What a horrible thing for them. Not only that, but they were buried under 12 feet of snow. So apparently there was a lot of snow there, and it had, some time had passed. It says, To add to the mystery, the Mounties, the Mounties reported seeing a blue light that night too artificial to be the northern lights, pulsating on the horizon before fading into the darkness. Now this was 1930, so we know this couldn't be written off as a jet liner or a satellite or anything man-made. Because you didn't have jet liners in 1930 flying around the far north. And it's just pulsating blue light. This is something that we've heard repeatedly in these UFO sightings, these pulsating lights, blue, green, orange. But it was, it was enough that the Mounties took note of it and talked about it. It goes on, it says, Despite numerous investigations, the 2,000 Inuits were never seen again, and the tale of the missing Anajuki tribe will be passed down through generations to come. Now, 2,000 people disappearing, that is an awful lot of people. If this, is, if this report is to be believed, that's... That's phenomenal that 2,000 people could just go missing all at once. And remember, not just the living, but the dead also went missing. And that's a report that we have about the Joe LaBelle finding of the missing Inuit people. This is something I think that would really, uh, deserves a little bit further research. But it's one of those uh, UFO stories that comes out of the far north. We've had a lot of those. Sometimes they seem to just almost get looked over because it's something that happens far away, especially like this, a case that happened back in 1930. Here we are clear out on the far north frontier. Um, they have telegraphs, obviously, but you're you're really, uh, this is pre-World War II, just after World War One, and it's still wild country in a lot of ways. So here we are faced with this uh, unexplained disappearance of 2,000 people, and no idea of what happened to them. To me, the best explanation here is there was some sort of UFO experience. We have the Mounties who have sighted this and recorded seeing this uh, pulsating blue light in the distance. We know this wasn't man-made. And we have a history of uh, UFO sightings and encounters among Native, people, Native American people anyway, which makes you wonder, what is this preoccupation uh, 
with Native Americans among among the UFO phenomena. I have heard uh, David Politis talk about the, uh, the missing cases in the national parks and how a lot of times the missing people seem to have some sort of um, Central European or Germanic um, lineage to them where these things seem to be going after a certain DNA subtype. That's something else that deserves uh, more investigation, I think. But I found this case to be to be particularly interesting because the whole village disappeared, and the way that the way that the whole thing went down, it makes you wonder just exactly what was this UFO looking for. Until next time, this is UFO warning over and out.